the Gospel of Luke here, the, the 24th chapter. <clears throat> and so Jesus has been resurrected. It's the very first day. Uh, and there's rumors that he's not in the grave, but people really aren't comprehending you know, what has really happened. And I'd say that's just as true today as it was <laughs> on that first day as well. So just reading about this account where uh, two people are walking to Emmaus here. So now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And that's kind of one of the questions I like to pose is, uh, we know it's Jesus, but they don't. And how often are we walking right beside Jesus or Christ, and we don't even know it. So we can see the person, but we don't recognize them for for who they are. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. And then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, what things? And they replied, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and to crucify him. But we had hope, <coughs> hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things took place. And moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they did not see him. And then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all of the scriptures. And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly saying, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed and broke it, and he gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. This is the the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So even though they can see this man walking with him, they don't recognize him. They can't see the, the risen Christ. They can't see that spirit of, of love, of compassion, of goodness. In the book we're reading, uh, Richard Rohr makes the case that Christ is everywhere. Christ is in each person on this planet and beyond. So how often do we see Christ or how often do we say, oh, it's just another person. Or maybe we dismiss them or write them off. Who do we see Christ in? Can we see Christ in ourselves? So let's just take a few moments to to pray and to reflect on that. Let us pray.
Well, last, um, <clears throat> last spring, um, uh, I stopped at City Market. Jennifer and I, we stopped at City Market. It was really late at night, uh, pretty close to closing there. And I just went in to get uh, a loaf of bread and, and a Pepsi. And the, the store was basically empty. And on my way out, I, I heard this young voice say, hey, hey, man. And, it, and I heard this voice go, hey. And I turned and I saw this young Navajo kid, probably 17, 18 years old. And, and I kept on walking. I wasn't even sure if he was talking to me or not. And he said, hey. He said it to me once again. And I, I looked at this kid. You know how we can just process things very quickly. And he stood up. <clears throat> and he had on real baggy, baggy jeans hanging down below his waist and everything. And he had on this plaid shirt, and his hair was, was cut short, almost shaved. And he had a couple zips cut into his hair. And he was a pretty menacing-looking young man. And he flashed his teeth to me. And, and he had those grills, you know, that people put on. And that they, they were kind of like braces. And these grills, they had some type of weird design on them. And it made him look even more frightening and more scary. And I thought, this is a bad kid. This, this is how I got the title to the sermon here. A bad hombre. <laughs> it's a bad hombre. He's a threat. And I was a little nervous. And even though I was taller, I was nervous. And so I, I kept walking. So I kept on walking. And in thinking about this incident, though, uh, Father Greg, who I mentioned quite often, one of my heroes of faith, he says in over 30 years of working with gang members, these hardcore gang members, many of them convicted of various crimes of one, one or another, and nobody wants them. He says in over 30 years of working with gang members, I have never met a bad hombre. Never. And he's sincere. And he said, if you would think someone in America would have met a bad hombre, it would have been me. <laughs> I live with them and work with these guys every day. But I have never met a bad hombre. <clears throat> and I was thinking about that, and I go, well, I did in one night. <laughs> Took me one night and one person just to meet a bad hombre. But if Christ is present in all of creation, are there bad hombres out there? Our, our basic core, are we all good? Are we all made in God's image? Or do we, just need to, do we just need to retrain our eyes and our hearts so that we can see and so we can recognize people for who they really are? We can start to see that image of Christ in one another. Is that really the issue here? And in Genesis 1, we read this story, one of my favorite passages, God creates human beings, God creates them in God's image, male and female. And when he creates us, he says, you are good. You are very, very good. And if we believe in God, one God, then God has created everyone. And God says, you're good. This is who you are. And we just forget our true identity in Christ. And Roar summarizes Ephesians 1 to say that God's infinite love has always included all that God created from the very beginning. In that connection, 
is absolute. The Father and us are one. There's this connection that cannot separate us from who we, who we are. And many of you might uh, know, uh, uh, in Omaha in 1917, do you know what happened there in 1917? Some of you historians. <laughs> a riot. A riot? Okay, I didn't know about that. That's not the event I was thinking about. <laughs> Chances are there was a riot in Omaha. In 1917, in Omaha, Father Flanagan started Boys Town. He was at the court for some reason, and this kid showed up. He was a vagrant, and the, and the court was going to lock him up and put him away. And he said, no, I'll take that kid. And that was the beginning of Boys Town. And, and Father Flanagan, he, he started this home for boys, uh, boys that nobody wanted. It was a home for the derelicts, the juvenile delinquents, all the bad hombres. He said, I'll take them. I believe in these kids. And his premise, his conviction, which comes from his faith in God, is that, and you can see I took a, a, we went there many years ago. If you're ever in Omaha, it's in West Omaha now. Take a look at, at, at Boys Town. It's just absolutely amazing. It's like a small college campus providing these homes for these kids. But his basic conviction in 1917, and it still holds true today, is there are no bad kids. I can remember reading that when I went there. There are no bad kids. There's just bad decisions and bad environments. But there's no such thing as a bad kid. And while society looked at these kids and these throwaways and they saw criminals and lowlifes and outcasts, Father Flanagan, he saw them differently. He saw Christ in these kids that nobody wanted. And he brought them in and provided a home and he loved them and he cared for them and he nurtured them. And he simply reminded them of who they were. He didn't change them. He just reminded them of who they were. He saw hope, possibility, goodness, and dignity. While most of society just saw someone we needed to get rid of. Someone we needed to lock up. Father Rohr says the divine DNA of the Creator is held in all of God's creation. I love that. <laughs> the divine DNA of the Creator is held in all of God's creation. This is our true essence, or our true self. And what if we saw Christ in all kids, in one another? What if we saw Christ instead of problems and delinquents and bad hombres? What if we really saw Christ in one another? What if when a kid or an adult makes a bad decision, that our sense of justice was restorative and not punitive? We need to hold them to that decision and we need to remind them and restore them to who they truly are in Christ. What if that's justice? That's the kind of justice we see in Scripture. It's restorative. You see that when that, that son who has gone home, gone away from his father and, and made all these bad decisions and he comes home, the father doesn't punish him. He restores him to who he is. This is biblical justice. And Father Flanagan and Boys Town and the homeboy industry and Father Greg and Dorothy Day and Mother Teresa and all these saints... They have this vision of restoration. 
that we are all one in Christ. And they simply remind people of who they are. They model that love and grace. And it's reflected to the children, to the adults. And they're just reminded of who they are in Christ. Where do we see Christ's image? That likeness of God. This is really challenging for us. It is for me at least. <laughs> Where do we see that image? Or do we more often than not demonize certain children? Youth. Do we demonize certain races and groups of people and say they're simply no good? Just get rid of them. Get them out of our sight. There's no hope for them. Lock them up. Where do we see Christ? Father Rohr says the core message of the incarnation of God in Jesus is that the divine presence is here. And here doesn't mean just this church. It's in the world. This is the scandal of the gospel. The presence of God is in the world. It's in all of creation. It's unbelievable. It's here. It is in us. It is in all of creation. It's not only over there <clears throat> in a select few people or in some pristine chapel. Christ is everywhere. Everywhere. In our class, we've been working on this. Where have you seen Christ this week? And it's just good to hear these stories. Oh, I saw him in the leaves changing of the colors. I saw a couple just holding hands. And they start opening our minds to see that presence <clears throat> of Christ. Think about all the times that we see a homeless person. What do we see when we see that homeless person? Sometimes I get nervous. Sometimes I get anxious. Sometimes I get a little bit worried. What are they going to ask me for? Are they going to ask me to do something? Are they going to ask for money? What do we see when we see a homeless person? But the moment we allow our heart space to open up toward him or her, then they become a human being. They can't even become Christ. I remember on one of our, our youth trips to South Los Angeles, South Central Los Angeles, and our kids were, and myself as well, we were nervous. <laughs> All the stories coming out of South Central <clears throat> L.A., and on one day on our mission trip out there, we went to Skid Row in L.A. And it's just like three or four blocks long. And it's just nothing but homeless people and, and addicts and all these, all these problems in society. Just block after block and tons of people there wandering. And I remember walking through Skid Row. And our daughter, Andy, and she has talked about this event now for six or eight years. <laughs> still processing what she saw. She saw these two homeless men. They were sleeping on a grate, huddled up together. And one of them woke up. And when he woke up, he, he, he reached into his coat and he pulled out uh, a little, what do you call it, a little carton of Pringles. And he ate a couple of those Pringles. And then he, he touched the guy next to him and woke him up. And he shared those Pringles with this man next to him. He shared everything he had with this other man. And just this event changed how she saw these homeless people. 
before maybe they were dangerous, before maybe they were a threat. And then she saw this act of compassion. And it warmed her heart. She saw another human being. She saw that regardless of our circumstances in life, we still have that love and that grace within us. And it changed her. It changed her. Just by seeing things differently. Spirituality is all about seeing with new eyes. Not old eyes, but new eyes. Seeing with the eyes of Christ. Seeing from the light one another. And on this road to Emmaus, Cleopas and his companion, they're walking along, they're discussing the events and then the crucifixion of of Jesus. And a man joins them. And we know it's Jesus, but they do not. They see the man. Think about how often we see people. They see the man. They talk to each other. They have a lot of conversation. They're friendly with one another. But Cleopas and his friend do not recognize him. They don't know who he is. They might think they know, but they don't. They don't know who he is. They do not recognize the risen Christ. And he's right there. (laughs) He's right there with them. And they don't recognize Christ. I think this is a huge emphasis in the book we're reading. Do we see the risen Christ? Or do we think it's just some event 2,000 years ago that happened one time? Or is Christ walking right beside us every day? And we can't see him. We can't recognize him. The disciples are, after after Jesus is resurrected, the disciples are fishing in a boat and a man appears on the shore. And once again, we know it's the risen Christ. And they don't. Just some guy on the beach. Mary, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, to the empty tomb, and she sees a gardener and she talks to him. But like everyone else, initially she does not see Christ. She doesn't recognize him. Richard Rohr says, seeing someone and recognizing who they are is not the same thing. We see people but we don't recognize who they are. And I believe, and this is my opinion, I believe we are trained, we are conditioned to see bad hombres. We're conditioned to see bad people, be on the lookout for them. Our daughter, Andy, who saw that homeless man in that great act of compassion, she saw Christ. I can remember her coming home from kindergarten the very first day. What did you learn at school today, Andy? And she said, stranger danger. (laughs) I said, what? (laughs) She goes, stranger danger. And and there's some real safety issues there. And I acknowledge that, yeah, we have to be aware of some things. But that's what she was taught. So 40 hours a week at school, she's getting stranger danger. For two minutes in Sunday school, love your neighbor. (laughs) What wins out? (laughs) Stranger danger, love your neighbor. Stranger danger wins. If you see someone you don't know, if they look differently, they talk differently, fear them. And it creates all this division, all this anxiety, all this fear. Stranger danger. 
How do we see people? Seeing someone is not the same thing as recognizing who they are. And this is a tragedy. This is the tragedy when we cannot see Christ. We're not conditioned, we're not trained to see the beauty and the goodness in other people. We're supposed to look for danger. To recognize that the divine DNA is God's creation and God's children. This is our road to more spiritual maturity. When we can recognize Christ, we can say with conviction with Father Greg and, and Father Roar and Flanagan there, I have never met a bad hombre. Because <clears throat> they see the Christ in those people, in those criminals, in those people who have had a difficult life. While other people say, just get them out of society, they say, no. They are children of God. Let us restore them with each other. Let's restore one another. Christ is everywhere. Our world grows with greater circles of inclusion and compassion when we start seeing God or Christ in one another. In Cleopas and his companion, when they break the bread, they finally recognize Christ and their hearts are just burning with goodness. Mary, when she sees that the gardener is the risen Christ, she's filled with this great joy. Peter, my favorite disciple, when he recognizes Jesus, the risen Christ, he jumps off the boat and starts swimming. He is so excited. Seeing the risen Christ fills us with wonder, fills us with joy and possibility, and it unites us and brings us together. Because we see our common bond. Christ does not divide or exclude. That risen Christ unites us and restores us and reminds us of who we are. Do we see Christ or do we just see bad hombres? And that's challenging. And I can remember that night. That night I was at City Market and I met that bad hombre and he scared me. And when I heard him say, hey, I looked at him and I just kept walking. I walked a little bit faster, matter of fact. And I kept walking and and he stood up and he was walking towards me and he was flashing those grills on his teeth. (laughs) And that scared me even more. (laughs) And this all happened in a matter of two or three seconds, by the way. And it scared me. I go, what are those grills? And I said, what's on his teeth? And I thought maybe it was like bones or something, but it's something really scary. I just kept walking. And then this young hombre said, Craig. He said, Craig. And and he said it just like that, Craig. And I stopped. I go, this kid knows my name. And just like Mary there at the tomb, I recognized his voice. And my heart broke. It absolutely broke. And it was Reuben. <clears throat> Reuben was a kid that had been in our youth group for two or three years. 
the nicest kid I've ever met. The smartest kid I've ever met. And he was so respectful and so good. And one of his teachers I know said, Reuben, and I've changed his name. He said, Reuben is going to be my doctor. Reuben's going to be the lawyer. I thought he was going to be a minister. He always had these questions about God. He was incredible. And Jennifer and I, we even took him to Alamosa. He wasn't a kid that just showed up on Tuesday night. <laughs> we actually took him on a trip with us to Alamosa to, to show him Adam State and, and he could meet Roe and say, this is where you're going to go. You're going to go to college. He had so much promise. And he, I know this is going to get me here. <laughs> and he made a mistake. And the school said, you can either withdraw or be expelled for a year. That's your choice. The brightest kid in the class. Kid with so much potential. And he withdrew. And he disappeared. He was just gone. He didn't have that support at home. <clears throat> and he showed up three years later at City Market. And I thought he was a bad hombre. But that's not who he is. He's a child of God. He's 17 years old. And he just needs somebody to say, remember who you were? Because he's a good kid. He could be a lawyer. He could be a doctor. His class is graduating from Mancus this year. And I can tell you who the smartest kid in that class is. It's him. It's not even close. But justice for him was swift. And it was punitive. Get him out of our school. We don't have a place for him. There is no restoration. Nothing. And in talking to Reuben that night, and my heart just broke for him and we just held each other. And it was a tragedy that he's been forgotten, that he's been cast aside. Because he's a good kid with so much potential. But I fear that what's going to happen to Reuben <clears throat> is he's just going to be a statistic. This is why we need to punish people and kids even more. And he's just going to be one more statistic about why we need to be even more harsh and more punitive. And here's the proof. See what happens to these kids? And he'll just be a statistic more than likely. And so what do we do? How do we see not just kids? How do we see adults?
Do we see Christ, that the divine DNA in them? Or do we just see problems, a nuisance, a menace to society? And I pray that all of us may continue to grow in Christ and that we can see that which is divine, that we can see Christ in one another. And especially those kids that maybe make a mistake. Haven't we all made mistakes? But instead of saying, let's just get rid of them, maybe we can say, let's talk about it. Let's be very honest about what happened and let's restore them to who they truly are in Christ. Amen.